Thank you for joining in for this City Lights Church podcast. We're a new church in the north of Brisbane, and you can find out more about us at www.citylights.community. We hope that this podcast encourages you in your journey of following Jesus. Today we are continuing our series called Living on Empty. And the first question that I have today is, what makes you weary? What makes you weary? What's going on in your life right now, even at this moment, this week, that is draining you? When we look at the Bible and when we uh, read through the Bible, when it talks about weariness, all kinds of different things can make you weary. In Galatians, the Apostle Paul says that you can be weary in well-doing. You can be weary in doing the right thing. In the book of uh, Kings, we see that Elijah, even after having this incredible victory with the prophets of Baal and seeing this incredible spiritual breakthrough and miracles, he was weary after that victory because he had not seen the battle completely. We see that Jonah was weary. He saw a whole city come to Jesus And he was still grumpy because he actually preferred that God would have judged the city because he he really didn't like them. And so there's all kinds of different ways that uh, we can be weary. We see we can also, from the Bible, you can also be weary doing the wrong thing. Psalm 32 is David pouring out his heart because he recognizes the weariness and pain and sorrow that he's experienced and endured for, having, adult, uh, for uh, having an affair with someone else's wife and then ultimately murdering that person. I mean, talk about extreme, right? So he was weary in his deep innermost being because of that. You can also be weary for normal things. Anyone studying at the moment, Ecclesiastes 12 says that study can make you weary. And there's a lot of amens there from those who are studying or those uh, who are thinking about that or have come out of that season. In Isaiah, it says young people and old people can be weary. So weariness is part of the human condition. Uh, One of the uh, guys that is uh, providing some of our expertise and installation for all our uh, stage upgrade, he recently did an upgrade for Dreamworld. And uh, so it took 26 hours. And there were some complications with that, but he, he pushed through, he's an amazing guy. And he says this, that job was a big job, even if everything went right. And I would say that we could say about our lives. Our lives are a big job, even if everything was going to go right. But things don't always go right. As parents, those that are parents, we could say, hey, my job is a big job, even if all my kids are healthy, but they're not, even if they don't have any things going on in their life, but they do. And this is part of life. Not all weariness is bad. Who's experienced really giving your all, really uh, working hard, having a sense of accomplishment, and then having a great night's sleep because you are just so weary and then waking up in the morning feeling better? Weariness in itself is not bad, but there's another type of weariness, and this is what I'm going to talk about today, and that is soul weariness. 
And soul weariness is at a different level. Soul weariness can't be fixed by a holiday or a sleep-in or a day off. I don't know about you, but times when I've experienced soul weariness, I'll go to sleep and sometimes I'll wake up like I've run a marathon. I'll wake up even tireder than when I went to sleep. This is weariness at a different level. And so when we're talking about the soul, what are we actually talking about? Because the soul, while it's hard to define, we know that the inside you, what's inside of us, is so real, right? We can't always see it, but what makes us tick, our motivations, our personality, our inner wirings, even though we can't see them, we know that they are very real to us. They are what we want, what we desire, the deepest parts of us, what makes us tick, what makes us think, our inner thought patterns, our inner working. Now, when the soul is weary, when the soul is restless, when the soul is unhealthy, things are bad, at least in my experience. When you know that there are things that are going on that's deeper than tiredness, more than a holiday or a good night's sleep, it's something that affects the every part of our life. And I believe that right now, we are in a pandemic of soul weariness. I believe it is a cultural problem. I know this movie is a little bit old now, showing my age, but there was a movie called Speed. Did anyone ever see some of the older ones? Speed, right? So Keanu Reeves, I'll give you a little bit of a, a synopsis of it. So Keanu Reeves, uh, before Matrix, and uh, he's there and he's on this bus and the whole thing with, with this bus is that if it slows down, there's all, all these people on this bus, there's a bomb on the bus. And if it slows down beyond 60 miles, which is about 80 kilometers, then the bomb blows up, right? And so they're, they're, they're on this kind of quest and they're on this bus with all these people trying to work out how they can slow down without dying. I believe that that's how many people feel. They're on this life and it's like, if I slow down, I am going to die. I cannot slow down. There are bad things that are going to happen. If I stop this relentless activity, then things are going to explode. And we have this constant busyness. And so that's part of the culture. But then what we also saw with COVID is we saw the opposite, that if you move, you die. Right? So everyone has to, if you... The opposite, before you, if you slow down, your diet. Now, if you make any kind of movement other than being in your home, like we were told, like the best thing that you can do is stay home and watch Tiger King. And if you want to help us join together to get out, you need to have a real big binge of Netflix and you need to stay, stay safe. And if you have a sniffle, you need to stay home. And so we were told the opposite. Now, the thing was, before we felt this relentless drive for busyness and it caused soul weariness, but then we had this enforced confinement, but I don't believe that it, it, it fixed the soul weariness. I don't believe that it was the solution. In fact, I don't know if you feel the mood of 
society and the mood of a community is that people are tired. And there's a whole bunch of reasons that people are tired. One of the reasons that people are tired is uncertainty makes people tired because it burns emotional energy. Not knowing what's next, constant change make people tired because you can't get into natural rhythms. You have to be more conscious about the things that you're doing and you have to be more nimble. And those things take more energy. Unmet expectations cause soul weariness. We thought that we would be further along in life. We thought that we would, things would be a bit different. We thought that time would change things. I thought that I might have achieved some more of my life goals than I have, and they can make us weary. The other thing that can make us weary is conflict. And I don't know if, again, you sense the mood that parts of our society are becoming increasingly polarized particularly as we're coming up to elections and different talking points and different cultural attitudes to different things. There's a greater sense of conflict. And this causes uh, in our inner workings to be tired. Now, all these things, and I think especially the pandemic, have been a reminder to us that we can't control our lives. We had a sense of control. I believe as a society, we had a sense that science could help us, that science could protect us. We had a sense that humankind could conquer nature. And one of the things that was broken with the pandemic is that we can't. And we try and we come back with different vaccines and and some of those are helpful and some of those um, different people have all kinds of different views and that's caused all kinds of different division. But we've realized that science can't protect us. Science can't fix our problems. So we've got all this uncertainty. And one of the things that causes restlessness and weariness is that when we have a soul that thinks that we can control the things that are around us and we realize we can't, we realize that we can control much less of our environment, much less of what's going on in the life and that other things are going on. So this is a cultural problem and today I want to talk about a biblical solution to our cultural problem. So Jesus says this, he says, Come to me and I will give you soul rest. And when Jesus says, Come to me and I will give you soul rest, I believe we need to pay attention. If someone is promising to uh, allow us to deal with the inner workings of our heart, our mind, our emotions, if someone is promising that, we need to pay attention because most often, if we're talking about our soul being the inside you, most often when we have an inner problem, we seek outside solutions, right? We seek external solutions to inner problems. We all do this, right? If I could just buy that or if I could just achieve that or if this person would just like me or if I could just be part of this group or have this kind of um, part of my life or if I could just get this house or have this going on in my life, I would feel better in here. But who knows, that's not always the case. 
And we look for all kinds of things. Shopping. Anyone love shopping as a band-aid for soul weariness? Yes, I'm in, right? All right. Exercise. A massage and a flotation pool, right? These are all good things, but I don't believe they can really touch the inner workings of our soul. Now, when Jesus promises rest, does that mean he's like a genie in the bottle and he's going to come out and we've got three wishes and all our circumstances will change? It doesn't mean that at all. Soul rest, I believe when Jesus is promising this, he's promising a couple of things. The first thing is peace and predominantly inner peace and peace with God. Here's what I've recognized in my life. If I can have peace within myself, and if I can have peace with God and I can have a sense of that, I can do anything. I can conquer anything. It doesn't matter how bad things are going on around me. That's one of the things that he promises. The other thing that he promises is purpose. I believe that when, when we have soul rest, we have a strong sense of who we are and who God has called us to be and what he has called us to do. I believe that there are... One thing that is so uh, rattling to our soul is having no idea why we're here and no connection between our day-to-day activities and what that will produce. So peace, purpose, and also passion. When Jesus gives you soul rest, you begin to be more passionate about life. You don't let life grind you down. You don't let the approval or disapproval for other, of others grind you down, but you have this inner passion and this inner energy and joy for life. That's what it means to have rest in Jesus. And so we're going to look at this scripture from Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. And he says this, Come to me, this is Jesus who says this, All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And today I want to talk about the gateway to rest and the pathway to rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. the first part of it, Jesus says these three words. Here's what he says. Come to me. And what I want to say this morning is that the gateway to soul rest is Jesus. The gateway to soul rest is Jesus. Here's a question for you. Where do you go when you're weary? What's your first stop when you recognize that there is a tiredness and that tiredness is deep within you? Where do you go? When I was uh, in university, I, uh, in my teenage years, so I finished year 12, I think I was about 17 uh, when I first started to go to university, and I lived in the suburbs of Sydney. Anyone know Sydney? And uh, I used to commute via train into the centre of Sydney. So my university was called the University of Technology Sydney. I did a Bachelor of Business and Management And it was this uh, really ugly brown tower right near Central Station. And so for me, I uh, 
I was in, in university. Uh, I also had uh, two jobs. One of my jobs was in a leather factory, which was like, it was like this 90-year-old leather factory, which is like a scene from a horror movie, right? It was just like, it was like dark with like mold and running water. So I worked there, but I also worked at Kmart. So I, there was a new Kmart that opened up in the city. And so I would go to university. My first class would start at nine o'clock. My last class would finish at 9 p.m. And then I would work from 9 p.m. to midnight. And then I would go home. Now, the, the trip uh, usually went for about 55 minutes, the train trip, on a good day, right? There was a couple of options. There was, in certain times of the day, there was an express train that took 40 minutes. Now, what I didn't realise when I started working this job and finished at 12, I looked at the timetable and there was a train leaving at 12.20. That's what the timetable said. When I got there, they said, this uh, service has been replaced by a bus which will go all stations via bus. And who knows that uh, roads and trains are not synonymous, right? So I'm on this bus at about 12.30 and I remember the first time there were a lot of incredibly drunk people on this bus and one of the guys was drawing a picture of his own anatomy on the foggy window and uh, so it was like, it was not great. And so I was there and so we're going all stops home. Took about almost two hours. All right, so then we get to the station and the station uh, in that part of Sydney was not very, uh, very unsafe place, right? So keep your head down, look where you're going, avoid on eye contact unless you want to fight with someone. So kind of serious stuff, right? Here's my point. When it comes to weariness, where do you go? What's your first stop? What stops you? from going to Jesus first. Now, I asked a couple of people this question, and uh, one of the people that I asked is I said, what stops you from going to Jesus as your first stop? And they smiled at me, and they said, I usually go all stops. What do they mean? They mean that usually they try everything else. And I believe there's two types of trying everything else. One is worrying by going to every other solution. And the other is for more action-orientated people, trying all the other things. So trying to, to get to fix soul rest through exercise, trying to fix it through meditation that's apart from God, trying to fix it through learning, trying to fix it through self-improvement. Now, all those have value, but do you know what has greater value is coming to Jesus. So the first thing that stops us from going to Jesus as our first stop is we go all stops. The second thing is that we realize that sometimes we aren't really looking for rest. We are looking for distraction. When we're weary, we're actually not looking for rest. We're looking for an instant and easy fix. We're looking for uh instant pleasure, we're looking for instant gratification, we're looking for instant relief to the soul problem that's going on. That's the second thing. The third thing 
is this. When we're really tired, we don't want to go to Jesus because we know that involves some kind of effort. Or some, he's going to ask something of me. Like the last thing that I feel like doing when I'm really tired is going to Jesus because Jesus is he's, he's going to do something. Like, for example, if I'm, uh, this is a hypothetical situation, so it, or if somebody is like you're having conflict with somebody at work. And so uh, they're really getting on your nerves. They're nasty to you. And you come to Jesus and you know that Jesus is going to ask you to forgive them. But you don't want to forgive them. And so you avoid that. You know that at the end of your day, you don't want to pray, right? You just want to sit on the couch. And so these are the things that stop us from coming to Jesus. But here is my point. We need to take, we need to make Jesus our first stop when we are weary in our souls. And if there is anything that I could give you that will help your Christian life flourish and your whole life flourish, it's this. We must make Jesus our first stop. Now, the reason is that when we come to Jesus, the first thing that we find, the first pathway is relationship. It's relationship. If I make Jesus my first stop, if I say, he says, come to me and I come to Jesus, I know that as I begin to embrace Jesus, that the moment I do, I have access to peace in my life. Are you learning as a Christian what it is to have a sense of the presence of God? Are you learning as a Christian what it means to take time in the presence of God, not to rush through, to come with an open heart? I believe that hungering and thirsting for the presence of God, saying, God, I want more of you. God, I want you to increase in my life. God, I I want your presence and having a sense of that. That is our greatest asset, I believe, as Christians and followers of Jesus, to have a desire within us to connect with Jesus, to have the presence of God living within us. And I want to encourage you, are you doing that? Are you connecting with God at that level? Are you coming to God? Are you experiencing Him? Are you hungry? Are you coming to God in times of weariness where you're just looking to tick and flick? Or are you spending time and slowing down and saying, Jesus, what do you want from me? What have you got for me? Let's connect. Let's talk. Let me just pause my agenda. Let me just sit with you. And I want to encourage you to beware of a Christian life that does not come to Jesus into his presence regularly, that does not put the brakes on our life and the pace of our life and the thoughts of our life and come and say, God, I'm sitting, I'm waiting, I'm allowing your presence, I'm reading your word. I'm stopping my worrying. I'm not going to go all stops, but I'm going to go express straight to you. This is the power of God that is alive and within us, the rest of God. And the pathway to soul rest starts with relationship. 
And I do want to say that it starts with a person and that person is Jesus. And I would also say that it's okay that we come to him as a person in relationship, as a friend, but also as a powerful friend. And as we come, we can come with an expectation that when we make Jesus our first stop, that he has all the life, all the energy, all the resources. Let me declare these promises about rest that are available, promises for God about rest that we can speak over our lives. Jeremiah 35, 31, 25 says, I will refresh the weary and satisfy the faint. I will refresh the weary and satisfy the faint. So when I come to Jesus, I come to Jesus in faith as God, as a powerful person saying, God, I need refreshing. I'm faint. I don't have the energy. I don't have the power. You said that you would refresh me. And so that's what I'm coming. That's the posture that I'm coming in my life. And we need to have the faith and the ability to declare that over our lives. We come to receive, but we come to receive in faith. The second thing that we can declare is this, that those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Lord, if I put my hope, if I make you my first stop, you are going to renew my strength. You are going to allow me to soar in areas where I feel like I'm struggling. Have you got an area that you feel like you're struggling? Have you got an area that you feel like your soul is in turmoil? Maybe it's a work situation. Maybe it's a financial situation. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's an area where you're not seeing progress and God is saying, I want you to soar. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God wants you to soar? Do you believe that God wants to elevate that part of your life? Do you believe that God wants to fill you with purpose so that you can fly high in God and the things of life? They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. God wants you to run. And some of us, we say, well, I can't run because if I run, I'm going to burn out. If I run, if I push myself, I'm going to burn out. But God's saying there is a possibility that you can begin to soar, you can begin to run, you can begin to exceed, you can go over and over, you can change, you can see transformation, you can see the work of God in your life, in your family, in your workplace, because you're connected to me. The third declaration is this, I will strengthen you and I will help you and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. When I feel helpless, I'm going to reach out my hand to Jesus. When I feel hopeless, when I feel that things aren't working out the way that I expected them to, when I feel a deep sense of weariness, when I just burn emotional energy through worry, I'm going to go first stop to Jesus. I'm going to embrace Jesus. I'm going to just put the brakes on and I'm going to just allow him and lift my faith and lift my vision to the spiritual resources that are available through the presence of God and through Jesus. And I want to stir our faith in this. I, I, I hope that you'll get a bigger vision of what is possible in your life, the type of energy transformation that God has called us to. 
God wants to energize us by His Spirit. God wants to enliven us by His Spirit. God wants to place the Spirit of life and has through the Holy Spirit where we are not limited just by our own resources, but we are carried by our connection with Jesus Christ. This is what it means to join the pathway of rest. And so the first pathway of rest is relationship. The second two are a little bit unusual. And here's what Jesus talks about in this scripture, and it has incredible power. The second thing that Jesus provides is restraint. He says this, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And what Jesus is saying is there is an incredible freedom in discipline. And there is incredible peace that is found in restraint. What does this idea of yoke mean? It means, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. It means that we make a deliberate decision to put ourselves under the authority of Jesus. That's what it means to have the yoke of Jesus upon us. What it means is that we begin to open the Bible and we begin to look for biblical solutions to cultural problems. And so this is we're doing this right now when it comes to rest, but we do this in all different aspects of our life. We begin to allow ourselves to sit under the authority of Jesus, the authority of the Word of God, And say, God, okay, I've got an issue with parenting. Okay, I'm going to search the scriptures. God, what can you teach me? I'm going to listen to godly wisdom based on the Bible. And I'm going to say, hey, I'm really interested in a biblical solution for a cultural problem. God, I'm in a relational conflict. What should I do? God, I'm worried. What should I do? God, I'm planning financially for my life and for financial prosperity. What does that look like? This is what it means to live a life of restraint. Here is the cultural mood of our society right now, is that each individual wants to create their own rules, step one, but then demands that everyone else endorse those. Step two, right? I don't believe that it's the way for society to flourish. Society flourishes us as followers of Jesus. We take a different view. We say, I'm not the most important person in my life. And that when I submit myself under God's authority, when I open up the word of God, and when I put that live with restraint, when I live under, then I begin to live a greater freedom. Because I don't have to make up my own rules. I don't have to live by my own rules. I don't have to work out everything myself. I follow a pattern that God has opened up in his scripture. The last one is this. And I'm going to invite uh, Naomi back. The last one, first is rest, uh, relationship. The second is restraint. And the third is responsibility. And here's what we think. Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
And here's what I want to say. The answer for the weariness of your soul is not for you to stop working. It's not for you to shed your responsibilities. Now, I believe 100% that we shouldn't just load up, load up, load up, more, 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 more. 100% I believe that. And I believe part of that restraint is allowing God to lead you and to giving God permission to say, hey, I'm calling you to do this now. You need to let that go. Right? So God, you allow God by the voice of your spirit. God, what are you calling to me? I'm going to embrace that wholeheartedly. I'm not going to sit in the middle. I'm not going to straddle two different things. I had uh, probably three times in the last two years where God called me to uh, lay something down. And I really like struggled with it because I didn't want to disappoint people. Right? But God led me in that. And that is true, 100%. At the same time, getting to a position where we shed all our responsibilities is not good for our soul. It is not good for us. And sometimes we think that a responsibility-free environment will make us happy. We assume that work is hard, holidays and fun. Holidays are fun. And that work itself is the problem. Work is not the, repo- the problem. Sometimes we think that responsibility is an intruder and jobs are the enemy. And we're going to work hard. Sometimes as a mindset, we work as hard as we can, retire as early as we can and enjoy life. That is not good for your soul. And the rested soul, listen to this. We're almost done. The rested soul has responsibility, but is not overwhelmed with it. Why? Because the rested soul is connected to Jesus. Because the rested soul has a pattern. The rested soul has, le- has learnt to hear the voice of God directing, guiding. The rested soul has connection to energy sources that are beyond their own ability. And I believe that meaningful work with a sense of purpose is essential to human flourishing. Work is part of the plan. It's part of our sense of purpose, part of how God created us. But let me tell you, there's another reason, and I want you to listen to this, that a soul at rest is not a solo pursuit. Let me say that again. A soul at rest is not a solo pursuit. Because today, if you're here in this room or if you're listening online and your soul is in turmoil, here's what I want you to know. That people are praying for you. That people are there to encourage you. That people are supporting you. That God is surrounding you. And if we live a life where we shared responsibilities, where we shared relationships as a way to manage our souls... We isolate ourselves from the very help that we need. And so I want you to know that if you are in a difficult situation, if you're weary, there are people praying for you. But I hope that everyone here would know as well that I hope that I want to know that people are praying for me. I want to know that people are looking out for me. Each and every one of us that if we are going to live at rest in our souls, 
it's because we're sharing the burden. Here's what Galatians says, Galatians 6, 2. It says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Responsibility, community. It's part of God's plan to join with Jesus, to join with others and to allow the life flow of God together. Come on, let's pray together. I pray right now for anyone who is feeling a weariness in their soul, a deep tiredness in their soul. Lord, those that are here, those that are listening online, those that can't be here because of sickness or illness. Lord, we pray first and foremost that their first stop would be Jesus. And if you're here in this room and you haven't made that a habit to go first to Jesus, even when you're tired, then I encourage you to do that. Make that decision. God, from this moment forward, in trouble, I'm not going to go to Google. I'm not going to go to the day spa. I'm not going to go to uh, binging TV, but I'm going to come to you and I'm going to connect with you. I'm going to allow you. I'm going to sit under your authority. And Lord, we thank you for that right now. In the name of Jesus. Just before we go, we're going to allow, take a couple of seconds. It's about 20 seconds just to allow the Holy Spirit to move. Allow the Holy Spirit to move. As a church, we are responsive to the Spirit. We are hungry for the presence of God. We are responsive to the Spirit of God. Holy Spirit, flood hearts, flood minds, energize people. There are those that are saying, God, I'm going to claim those promises of rest that you will refresh me. You will satisfy me. You will raise me up on the wings of eagles. And God, we thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about City Lights Church at www.citylights.community.